Hello everyone and welcome to my A to Z of musicals. I'm Tony and I'm going to take you on a journey today through the letter E. So let's get started. My first show beginning with the letter E is Evita. And before we get started on the stage show itself, I want to go back in time to 1976 when I remember watching a television show in the UK called Rock Follies and this was totally different from anything I'd ever seen before. It was a TV series with six episodes in series one um, and it was the story of three girls forming a female rock band, the Little Ladies they were called. And the stars of this show were Rula Lenska, Charlotte Cornwell and Julie Covington. And Julie Covington had already had quite a career in the world of musical theatre. So back in 1971, she'd actually been in the original London cast of Stephen Schwartz's Godspell uh, I absolutely love this show and we'll be talking about it when we get to the letter G in the alphabet. Um, Julie Covington starred with David Essex and Jeremy Irons, yes, and she actually worked with Jeremy Irons again on the children's television show Play Away, which I remember some of you might. Um, also in that production of Godspell was Marty Webb, and Gay Soper. So some great, great talent. And Julie Covington then originated the role of Janet Weiss in the original London production of The Rocky Horror Show back in 1973 at the Royal Court Theatre. This production starred Tim Curry and uh, Richard O'Brien, the creator of the show, uh, Patricia Quinn and little Nell Campbell. And they all went on to huge fame with the film a few years later. And again, we'll be talking in far more detail about the Rocky Horror Show. But amazing that uh, Julie Covington created the role of Janet Weiss in London. Uh, so... Andrew Lloyd Webber saw uh, Julie Covington in a cabaret in London and uh, this was after Rock Follies Series 1 had been uh, screened and there was a second series of Rock Follies the year later, 1977. Um, I particularly remember this programme because it had original music in every episode and you could then go out and buy the albums, there were two vinyl albums, Rock Follies for series one and Rock Follies in 77, which was the second series. And in fact, in the second series, there was a single released by Charlotte Cornwell and Rula Lenska and Julie Covington as the Little Ladies. It was called OK, and it went to number 10 in the UK charts. And I bought that on a seven inch single and I absolutely loved it. I played that song to death. And the B-side to that, because in those days you had a B-side on vinyl, the other side had another song, and the B-side was called B-side 
So Julie Covington was busy and uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber saw her in Cabaret and recognised her from the TV series Rock Follies and suggested to his collaborator, Tim Rice, that maybe she might be a great Ava Perron in a piece that they were currently working on. And that's what came to pass. Julie Covington originated the role of Ava Perron, but not on stage. We'll learn more about the stage in a little while. But she created the role on a double album, vinyl album, which was a concept album or the original studio recording, if you like. It was released on the 19th of November, 1976. And the title of the album was a bit long-winded. It was Evita, an opera based on the life of Ava Perón, 1919 to 1952. And what's incredible about this album is that it spawned such amazing songs as Don't Cry For Me Argentina, which Julie Covington recorded. And the song reached number one in February of 1977 in the UK singles charts. And of course, again, that song was everywhere at the time. And Julie Covington was absolutely incredible. And uh, it was a, a disappointment in some ways that she didn't then go on to take on the role on stage, although she chose not to, she did decline. Although Elaine Page, of course, then went on to star in the show in the West End, and that's the show that made her a star. Incidentally, Julie Covington also then went on to originate the role of Beth on the Jeff Wayne's concept album of War of the Worlds. And then she performed in 1992 at the National Theatre in their production, their famous production of Guys and Dolls. And she is actually on the cast recording of that show as Sarah Brown. And it was actually 18 months before this show was presented on stage. And that happened on the 21st of June, 1978, at the Prince Edward Theatre. But actually, the show had taken its time to get to this stage, even before the concept album was released. It was Tim Rice's idea initially, after listening to a radio station in the car, and there was a programme about the life of Ava Perón, the Argentine political leader. And Tim Rice suggested to Andrew Lloyd Webber that this might be a good subject for a musical. At the time, Andrew Lloyd Webber was working on By Jeeves, and so it took them a little while to get the production to a stage where it was ready for presentation. But it was um, a big success, and the show won two Olivier Awards, one for Best Musical and one for Elaine Page as Best Actress. And of course, Elaine Page starred with David Essex and Siobhan McCarthy as the mistress. And the stage production was directed by Hal Prince. Um, if you've ever heard Elaine Page being interviewed, you will know that uh, she, she always says, 
when she was offered the part of Evita. That was the day that changed my life forever. Um, I wish I could do accents and voices for you. But it's interesting that she felt that when, if you read or hear um, Patti Lapone, who played Ava Peron on Broadway, when she talks about Evita, she says, Evita was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> and, uh, and yet it made both of them huge stars, both in the West End and on Broadway. The 1979 Broadway production, also directed by Hal Prince, starred Patti Lapone and Mandy Patinkin. And this show launched his career. Uh, so, you know, it, it really did have a very positive impact for lots of people. Um, Evita on Broadway won seven Tony Awards, including Best Musical. And uh, it was, in fact, the first British musical to win a Tony um, and the song Don't Cry For Me Argentina became an absolutely huge international hit. It was quite a while before I got to see Evita on stage. In fact, it was 1985 when I first saw the production at, at the Prince of Wales, actually. So it was uh, still running there. And um, my first Ava Peron was Catherine Evans. And she is just such a, a fantastic performer. So I was very lucky. I had Catherine Evans as Ava and Jimmy Keane as Che Guevara and Daniel Benzali as Peron. And actually, I saw um, Catherine and Jimmy again when the show toured the UK in 1986. Um, in that cast in 1986 tour was Rhea Jones in the ensemble. So... Uh, you know, great things went on to happen for her as well. And subsequently, I saw Marty Webb on tour with Chris Corcoran as Che Guevara in 1996. And then, of course, the revival at the Adelphi Theatre in 2006 with Elena Roger as uh, Ava Perron and uh, Matt Rawl, who I think is a fantastic uh, musical theatre performer, Matt Raw was Che Guevara and Philip Quast as Peron. So lucky to see him in that role. And of course the show then went to Broadway and Ricky Martin played the part of Che Guevara on Broadway. There, of course, was then the 1996 film. And uh, this film had been talked about for absolutely years and years. Uh, it was the only big budget film musical made in the whole of the 1990s. Can you believe that? And it was directed ultimately by Alan Parker, although Ken Russell was originally meant to be directing this film. And Madonna, after lots and lots of uh, discussion around who would play this part, actually took the part of Ava Peron. Um, Barbara Streisand was rumoured and Meryl Streep and Faye Dunaway and all kinds of people. Personally, I think Madonna did an absolutely phenomenal job in this film. Um, she was really uh, moving in her performance and passionate and sang it beautifully. And uh, a new song was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, especially for the film, You Must Love Me which did win an Oscar for Best Original Song that year. And uh, 
the film was actually shot partly in Argentina and that's because Madonna personally uh, went to great uh, lengths to work and talk to the, the country uh, about this production and her passion and her belief that it was going to be a, a great representation and film actually led for them to agree to film part of it in Argentina. So there you go, Evita, a fantastic show beginning with the letter E. My next musical film beginning with the letter E is the 1948 MGM classic Easter Parade. I love this film and I try to watch it every Easter Sunday and have done so for many years. It's just such a wonderful film and I did talk about it just a little bit when I talked about Fred Astaire during the letter A episode. This film was set between Easter Sunday of 1911 and Easter Sunday of 1912 and it's the story of how Don Hughes, played by Fred Astaire, is searching for a new song and dance partner and he finds Hannah Brown, played by Judy Garland. And in fact, Fred Astaire was not meant to be in this film. He'd already started his early retirement. Um, I think he was 48 years old at this stage. And the part was meant to be played by Gene Kelly, but Gene Kelly broke his ankle and Fred Astaire was drafted in to replace him. So Fred Astaire and Judy Garland together was quite a strange combination because of the age difference, but they did a brilliant job and they worked so well together and they were supported by a fabulous cast, Peter Lawford as Johnny and one of my favourites, Anne Miller as Nadine Hale. Uh, in fact, I follow the wonderful British choreographer Stephen Meir on Twitter and every Monday morning he tweets, have a happy Miller Monday and a new photograph of Anne Miller and I really enjoy those and look forward to seeing them. Um, Anne Miller, apparently, according to an interview that she gave, um, was wearing a neck brace or a back brace throughout the filming of uh, Easter Parade and she claimed to have been thrown down the stairs by her husband. Uh, she was pregnant at the time and did subsequently lose her baby. Um, and uh, such a sad tragic story. Anne Miller, what an incredible performer. And she also replaced another star. It was meant to have been Sid Charisse, but she had torn ligaments. So Anne Miller went on. This was her first film for MGM. She had done some films prior to this, but her first MGM film, and it was a great success for her. She uh, was joined also by Jules Munshin, who went on to star with Anne Miller and Jean Kelly the following year, 1949, in On the Town. But more of that later. The filming of Easter Parade used old and new Irving Berlin songs. 17 songs, in fact, were used in the film. And uh, classics such as Shaking the Blues Away and 
that wonderful comedy number, A Couple of Swirls. Uh, in fact, uh, when I was watching Doris Day just a few weeks ago in Love Me or Leave Me, she sang Shaking the Blues Away, um, a very different kind of rendition of it. But in the film of Easter Parade, Anne Miller does the most incredible tap dance routine to this and how she managed that in a back brace with all the spins on the spot, it's just hard to believe. She is absolutely incredible. The film was directed by Vincent Minnelli to begin with, but he left the film and was replaced by Charles Walters. And the film won an Academy Award for 1948's best original music score. So it is absolutely brilliant and well worth watching. There was um, one of the songs that was cut from the film called Mr Monotony that Judy Garland sang, which is available to, to see. It's on the DVD as um, extras and also um, uh, I think it's on YouTube. It's, uh, it's a really lovely uh, song and a shame that it was cut but Judy Garland wears her trademark tuxedo black tuxedo jacket and uh, black stockings and that wonderful fedora which she then went on to wear in summer stock during the iconic get happy number which I love so um, one of the other things that I am fascinated by in this film is that one of the minor characters uh, Nadine Hales made is played by Jenny Lagon. And Jenny Lagon uh, was an African-American actress and dancer. And in actual fact, she was the first African-American woman to dance on film with um, Fred Astaire and Bill Bojangles Robinson. Uh, she had quite a career in film and on Broadway. And I happened to read the 2016 novel by brilliant author Zadie Smith, the book Swing Time. Uh, I love her books. If you haven't read any Zadie Smith, she's absolutely amazing. Swing Time uh, has got two female character, characters in it who discover Jenny Lagon because they love watching old musicals. And in fact, one of the characters, Tracy, becomes obsessed by Jenny Lagon. So check out Easter Parade, I love it. The next show that I'm going to talk about is Everybody's Talking About Jamie. And it's true, everybody is, or they certainly were before we went into lockdown. Um, this show was inspired by a television documentary which show was screened back in 2011 on BBC Three. It was called Jamie, Drag Queen at 16. And in fact, it is available to watch on YouTube. I found it just a few days ago. And I think it's also on Amazon Prime. It may still be on BBC Three um, iPlayer, I'm not sure. So you can still find this documentary. And musician composer Dan Gillespie Sells and lyricist Tom McRae saw this documentary and felt that this was a perfect story to be to be converted to become a musical. The story is set in Sheffield and it opened 
at the Sheffield Crucible, which is a theatre that actually isn't that far away from me in Manchester. Um, and I try to go and see everything I possibly can uh, when uh, shows are on at the Crucible. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see everybody talking about Jamie during its fairly short run at the Crucible, but I did go and see it not long afterwards at the Apollo in London in the West End after it had transferred. So the show originally opened in Sheffield in February of 2017 and it was only later that year in November, the 6th of November, that it transferred to the West End. So that was a, uh, it was so popular it was picked up really quickly and the cast were amazing, John McRae and uh, Mina Anwar and the wonderful Josie Walker, who plays uh, Margaret New, who I saw uh, in Taboo. Just a wonderful cast. And they transferred to the Apollo with Lucy Shorthouse, who plays Jamie's friend, Pretty Pasha. She was absolutely stunning. Um, by the time I got to see the show, uh, unfortunately, some of the original cast had left, uh, John McRae had left, um, and I saw Luke Bayer, and he was fabulous. I really enjoyed his performance, and Luke, actually, I had seen previously at the Hope Mill Theatre in Yank the Musical, and only recently I saw him again in a production at the Charing Cross Theatre of Soho Cinders, as the prince and uh, Luke has been um, online in the Fiverr musical that has been um, streaming in, in the last few months so he's doing really well and also in the cast was Tamsin Carroll who played Jamie's school teacher Miss Hedge now she is a fabulous performer as well and uh, she actually um, played Christine Daae in the Australian production of Love Never Dies and that's the one that was filmed so you can watch at Tamsin Carroll and she's absolutely wonderful in that. Um, she, I also saw her as Ellen in Miss Saigon. So it was a great cast and uh, Shobna Galati was playing Ray when I saw the, the show. Um, I bought the concept album which has all the songs performed by Dan Gillespie Sells. And then obviously once the um, London cast recording came out, I bought that as well. And there are some beautiful songs in this show. There's He's My Boy, the song that Jamie's mum sings, which is absolutely heartbreaking. And uh, Pretty Pasha, his friend sings It Means Beautiful. Uh, I love that song. I think that's possibly my favourite song in the show. So now, of course, we're waiting for the film version of Everybody's Talking About Jamie, which has been put on hold, but I understand is, is going to be released sometime in 2021. And this is going to be amazing because the cast are incredible. We've got newcomer Max Harwood and all the little clips that I've seen. Uh, he looks like he's going to be a perfect Jamie. And we have Richard E. Grant as Loco Chanel. Sharon Horgan is in the cast and Corey Legends, 
Shobna Gulati, Shobna who is reprising her, the role of Ray, and the one and only Sarah Lancashire is going to be playing Jamie's mum. I cannot wait to see her in that role. I just know that she's going to be stunning. Um, I was very lucky to see Sarah Lancashire in Betty Blue Eyes when that was on in the West End and she played and she originated the role of Joyce Chilvers and that's a, a Styles and Drew musical version of the film A Private Function. Um, Sarah Lancashire is such an incredibly talented actress and performer and uh, I first came across her in Coronation Street as Raquel Wollstone-Home and I will never forget her hysterically funny and incredibly moving performances as Raquel and uh, of course she's so well known in uh, television dramas Happy Valley and Last Tango in Halifax so I can't wait for the film version of Everybody's Talking About Jamie one of my absolute favourite West End musical theatre performers at the moment is the wonderful Kerry Ellis. And um, she made her West End debut back in 2001 when she was actually understudying the role of Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. Um, Martin McCutcheon was playing the part at the time opposite Jonathan Price as uh, Henry Higgins. And there was a lot of um, press coverage at the time of the fact that Marty McCutcheon missed a lot of performances. This gave Carrie Ellis an opportunity to step in and perform. And she absolutely wowed the audiences on the days that she was performing. And one of the people that spotted her in that production, actually not on a night when she was um, understudying Eliza, either she was in the ensemble, was Brian May from Queen. And he was looking at the time for performers for his upcoming musical, or the Queen upcoming musical, We Will Rock You. Um, Brian May went back to see Carrie Ellis performing on a night when she was actually playing the role of Eliza Doolittle and that led to a lifelong wonderful working relationship really between the two of them. Um, she was then auditioning given the part of Meet in the 2003 London uh, premiere of We Will Rock You. And you can hear her sing on that original cast uh, recording. And uh, Carrie Ellis then went on to perform in quite a number of big West End shows, including Les Mis in 2005, Oliver, Cats, Chess at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, in, in fact, she performed at the Royal Albert Hall with... Idina Menzel and it was Idina Menzel who had um, originated the role of Elphaba in Wicked on Broadway and then brought the show to the West End and when Idina Menzel left the um, London production Carrie Ellis took over as Elphaba and she actually won a What's On Stage award for best takeover in a role that was in 2008. 
I was so lucky because I actually saw Carrie Ellis five times as Elphaba. I saw Edina Menzel in London prior to um, Carrie Ellis taking over. And then uh, I saw her in 2007 a couple of times, 2008 a couple of times. Then Carrie took the show over to Broadway, which was just a magnificent opportunity for her. And then later, she returned to the role of Elphaba in 2014 for a limited run, and I went back again to see her. And she just has such an amazing presence on stage. In between uh, those performances, I also saw Carrie Ellis in a touring production of Rent, which was um, titled the 20th Anniversary Concert, although interestingly, it wasn't 20 years at that point since Rent had been first performed, but it was such a great production and uh, she played the part of Mimi and I saw Carrie twice in that production. I've also seen her in concerts and cabaret type shows as well. I saw her in something called The Sound of the Musicals and the following year, something called Magic of the Musicals, both at the Bridgewater Hall in Manchester. And I also saw her alongside Rhea Jones and Joanna Ampill in a show called West End Women in 2014. And I, it, she's so great. I could just watch her and listen to her sing and perform all day long. Carrie then... Um, went on tour in a production, the UK premiere of Wonderland, which is a, a modern take on the story of Alice in Wonderland. Uh, and I saw her in that in April of 2017, shortly before the show was actually cancelled midway through the tour. And, um, and that's a really tough thing for performers to experience. But I was lucky because I then saw Carrie right here in my hometown, actually. She performed in her 20th anniversary tour in May of 2018 at Sale Waterside. And again, just a brilliant opportunity to see her perform. So for me, an absolute must mention, Carrie Ellis. Now, don't ever let it be said that my podcast isn't a cultural show because today I'm going to share with you excerpts from a poem by T.S. Eliot that inspired the lyrics and song Memory from the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical Cats. And you probably did wonder why I didn't fit in Cats when we did the letter C. Well, today... I'm sneaking it in under the guise of T.S. Eliot. So here is an excerpt from Rhapsody on a Windy Night. Every street lamp that I pass beats like a fatalistic drum and through the spaces of the dark, midnight shakes the memory as a madman shakes a dead geranium. Half past one. The street lamp sputtered, the street lamp muttered, the street lamp said, Regard that woman who hesitates towards you in the light of the door, which opens on her like a grin. 
you see the border of her dress is torn and stained with sand and you see the corner of her eye twists like a crooked pin. The widow of T.S. Eliot, Valerie Eliot, actually attended the 1980s Sidmonton Festival performance of the work in progress that Andrew Lloyd Webber was developing, which was based on T.S. Eliot's Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats that had been first published in 1939. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber is a cat lover and he started work on this in 1977, quite a while before it actually um, reached the stage. And this show is one of those shows that has very mixed feelings from the audience. People, uh, some people absolutely love this, some people really hate this show. I love this show, and I think part of the reason why I'm such a, a lover of it is that I saw this at the New London Theatre when the original production was still playing in the West End in London. And the stage at the New London Theatre was fantastic. It was like um, a scrapyard with huge props, the uh, tyres and the back end of a car. And so it made the cats seem like they were in a space that they would have actually spent time in. And as the music started, cats appeared in the aisles of the theatre. I was in the um, balcony and I remember one cat at either end of, of the row uh, moving amongst the audience and just it was so exciting their makeup and costumes and the lighting and the fact that they were moving like cats and looking at you and it was just wonderful to be in the audience and experience that and I have seen productions since where I haven't I haven't noticed the cats in the audience maybe I've just not seen them but that really was special. And the other thing about that original production was that when Grisabella finally um, ascends, if you like, to the heaviside layer, there was some amazing hydraulic thing. She lifted up and went right, right, right up high. And uh, again, when I've seen production since, I think she goes up in sort of a tire. Um, uh, maybe it's my recollection, I'm not sure, but I, I feel that when I first saw it, it, it was just like, oh my goodness, she's really, really going up into the heavy side layer and it was a magical moment. And magical moments, I suppose, is a really good way of describing this show. It has many magical moments for me and for its fans. Um, there are some moments that are maybe less magical and less engaging, but this is a show that's driven by the music and dance. It's certainly not driven by a plot or story. But when Valerie Elliott shared these additional poems, she shared Grisabella the Glamour Cat, that gave more structure to the production. And uh, of course, we know that the wonderful Elaine Page uh, took on the part of Grisabella after Judy Dench, who was meant to play Grisabella, had snapped her Achilles tendon. Um, 
And Elaine Page went on to make uh, that show and the song, especially the song Memory, uh, huge, huge successes and hits. The show um, opened on the 11th of May 1981 at the New London Theatre and it won two Olivier Awards, one for Best Music and one for Choreography by Gillian Lynn, which is fantastic. And then the show transferred to Broadway a few years later in 1983, where it won seven Tony Awards, again including Best Musical and Best Featured Actress in a Musical went to Betty Buckley, who we talked about back in Letter B of our A to Z of Musicals. So if you didn't like Cats the stage show, you are not going to like Cats the film, the 2019 film, which... Um, is a fantasy. It's a musical fantasy film. And I think that in watching this, you have to allow yourself to go there and know that it's not real. It's it's a made up... Cats don't sing, cats don't dance, but in this film they do. And if you can allow your mind and creativity and imagination to go with that, you're going to enjoy it far more than if you're watching it thinking well that's nonsense of course it's nonsense the whole premise is nonsense but actually there's so so much more to this film and it's directed by tom hooper who of course directed the uh 2012 les miserables film and it has quite a a, a cast really um as an observer as a watcher there are some performances for me in the film that are real standouts and some less so. So I'm just going to talk about the ones that for me were standouts. I absolutely love Laurie Davidson as Mr. Mistopheles in this film. Throughout, he gives a wonderful performance, acting performance, but also just brings the character to life. I enjoy Jennifer Hudson's performance and her vocals, of course, are always just beautiful. Um... It was great for me to see Dame Judi Dench be offered the role of Old Deuteronomy because, of course, as we know, she was meant to be in the original stage production and that didn't happen. So that was a really special moment. And at the end, when she's singing and she turns her eyes directly to you, the viewer, that caught my breath for a moment. I thought that was really, really special. I love Francesca Haywood as Victoria. And Victoria is a part that is in the stage show, but has been really developed in order to give a, some measure of a storyline in the film. And uh, for me, I can't take my eyes off the wonderful Zizi Strallen. Every time she's on screen as the cat Tantamile, she's such a great uh, musical theatre performer and incredible dancer. I know that... I've seen her dance with the Matthew Bourne's Adventures in Motion Pictures company in Carmen. So um, she just steals the show for me. Whenever she's on screen, she lights up the screen and uh, that's I love her. I particularly enjoyed Ian McKellen as Gus. I thought he gave a really lovely performance and uh, I did find myself being moved by that. 
So yes, it was a complete box office disaster. Um, I think it ended up losing Universal Pictures $114 million. Wow. And a lot of that was around criticism of the visual effects and the lack of story and so on. Well, I bought it, I went to see it at the cinema and then I bought it on DVD and I've watched it quite a few times since and I bought the soundtrack and I really enjoy that. I especially like the new song that Taylor Swift and Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote together for the film, Beautiful Ghosts. It's a gorgeous haunting melody. Um, I think in the film, for me, sadly, the Gillian Lynn choreography was missing. And I really respect Andy Blankenbuehler, the choreographer. He did that incredible work in the original production of Hamilton. Uh, you know, he's a great choreographer. But for me, um, that was really missing in the film. But overall, I like the film and I don't really think it's fair that it's had such terrible... Um, press but that's my opinion and that's what's great about musical theatre we all have different views so that's our letter C cats which really snuck in as a letter E for T.S. Eliot so thank you T.S. Eliot for that and so we have reached that point in the podcast when I like to think about who have we missed out are there any other letter E's, people, shows, musical films, that we can't leave without mentioning? Well, of course, for me, we have to talk about Linda Edder. She is an American musical theatre singer, performer, actress. She made her Broadway debut in the 1997 Frank Wildhorn musical, Jekyll and Hyde. And she has a phenomenal voice. In fact, for the first year or so of me listening to her voice, I thought she was Barbara Streisand. She has this power belting voice. And you can hear that on the complete work concept album of Jekyll and Hyde. Um, I then saw Linda Edda on a televised concert from 1998 called My Favourite Broadway Leading Ladies. And she performs a number of songs, one of them being Man of La Mancha. Wow, you have got to find this song, track it down. It is incredible. She absolutely blows your mind, or certainly mine. Um, and it was in 1998 actually that she married Frank Wildhorn, although sadly they divorced later. So Linda Edder, stunning voice, we couldn't miss her out. Neither could we miss out Susan Egan. And Susan Egan is famous for having played two Disney princesses. Now, you could argue that Leia Salonga also played two Disney princesses, Jasmine and Mulan, but she only did the singing voices, whereas Susan Egan starred as Belle on Broadway in the original production of Beauty and the Beast. And she also played the part of Meg in the Disney film Hercules. And she sang one of my all-time favourite Disney movie musical songs, I Won't Say I'm In Love. So that's Susan Egan. 
We could also talk about Zac Efron, Raul Esparza, Eden Espinosa. Um, there are lots of people. Clint Eastwood actually should get a mention as well for his role in the um, 1969 film of Paint Your Wagon, which was set in California in the 1853 gold rush. And it has music by Lerner and Lowe. Uh, Clint Eastwood actually sings in this film, I Talk to the Trees, and it's a lovely song, and he stars with Lee Marvin and Gene Seberg. And whilst the last time I watched this film, I didn't really enjoy it very much, it does have some great music in it. Clint Eastwood, of course, then went on much, much later in his career to direct a movie musical, the film version of... Jersey Boys in 2014. There are a couple of shows also to mention, Expresso Bongo, <laughs> yes, and Evening Primrose, which was the only Stephen Sondheim musical that was made for TV, set in a Manhattan department store. So as always, there are lots of people and shows that we've missed out. I hope that we haven't missed out any of your favourites. So thank you for listening. I'm Tony and my um, Twitter account is at Theatre Flashbacks. So feel free to check me out on there as well. And I look forward to joining you next time. So until then, have a Doris day. Bye.